Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. The opinions, the panel. It is 10.24 here on SENZ. I'm delighted to tell you that our panel today uh, consists of uh, Nikki Styrus. First time uh, I've spoken to Nikki this calendar year. And uh, Andrew Gordy. Uh, Andrew Gordy, of course, uh, very famous, both very famous people, uh, and I, I think I'll begin with you today, uh, uh, Mrs. Styrus, because uh, obviously in, in your vocation you've had to interview people over the years, you've had to prepare interviews, etc. And every now and then it perhaps doesn't go the way that you plan. And I'm talking here about uh, Zoe Sadisky Sinnet, whose dad uh, was interviewed. Sean, lovely guy, we've had on the radio actually. We got him in the morning. Uh, telev- television got him at night. It was different. <laughs> I was actually at home, Smithy. Happy New Year to you, by the way. Um, I was at home when this uh, this unfolded, and I was like, my mouth just dropped. I was like, Oh no, we've got the f bombs going left, right, and centre. And I and I I watched Paul Gordon Finn later trying to sort of think, How am I going to deal with this? How am I going to? And he just sort of tried to ignore it and carry on, and it's got worse and worse. And and then I thought about it afterwards, and I thought. What would I have done? Um, because I'd never been in that situation. Andrew, you may have. Um, and I, I thought, you know, would I try and shut him down? Would I just let him go? Would I just say, oh, look, you know, this is great, but can you watch this wearing? I think it's a really, really tricky one because obviously it went viral afterwards and, um, you know, he became famous. But who could blame him? I mean, such fantastic moments, much emotion and obviously quite a number of drinks on board. Um, so I think ultimately... You just got to let them go, and then just sort of shut it down. And then, as Narelle did at the end, of you just apologise and say sorry about the language there, but obviously just you know height of emotion. So tricky one. Um, and I think Newshub dealt with it pretty well too, because instead of trying to ignore it, what they actually ended up doing was uh, embracing it and you know taking that publicity and using it in a positive way. Good. So, have you had an experience like that? And uh, what did you make of it? I haven't had a, a, uh, an experience exactly like that one. I think the closest I came uh, was, it might have actually been, now uh, when was it? It was around the time of the Rugby World Cup, I think. I can recall doing a, a live cross down at, uh, down at the cloud. And I had someone um, simulate fellatio behind me, actually, which was, um, yeah, which was a bit of a strange one. Uh, not one that I was expecting. Um, but there's a great screenshot of that floating around somewhere. Um, so that's about as close as it's, uh, it's got for me. Um, but no, look, in terms of Zoe's dad, um, I, I, it's live TV. Um, and, and one thing I will say, in Gordon's defence, Gordon spoke to Zoe's dad for about 10 minutes before the interview, and there were zero <laughs> indications that, uh, that Sean was going to go off on some kind of uh, foul mouth tirade or anything like that. Um, and yeah, of course, he had had a couple of drinks, but nowhere near to the point where you thought, I'm not sure we should be putting this man on live television. So it's just one of those things that happen. I think everyone involved with their best to, 
you know, sort of make sure it didn't get too out of hand. But, yeah, this is live television at the end of the day, and um, all you can do sometimes is apologise uh, after the event, you know? Andrew Gordy, uh, Nicky Storis with us. Yes, Nicky Storis having a coughing fit behind the scenes. Uh, but that's cool. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll get by that. Um, life, Nicky Storis, then. I'll ask you this question to really put your cough on the line. Uh, life without Kane Williamson and Test Cricket. Life, with, life without Ross Taylor. Um, and uncertainty about Kane Williamson going forward. This, I think that's the most worrying thing. No one seems to have an answer as to when and where and how often Kane's going to play anymore. Yeah, it's a really, um, it's really unsettling for the for the squad and also obviously for Kane. Um, tendon injuries are. I've had a tendon injury for, before, and and like you say, they're not something that you can just go and have an operation for, and suddenly it's fixed. It's, it's something you have to manage, and hopefully over time that it just sort of goes away. Um, so yeah, really, really tricky, and I guess compounded by the the retirement of Ross Taylor. So. I hope, for the sake of the Black Caps uh, Test squad, you know, and and any other Test uh, cricket going forward, that that Kane does come right. And of course, I guess though they have to imagine life, um, you know, without him and without both of them. Fortunately, you've got a Devon Conway in there who, you know, I guess has uh, has come to the fore, and you, and yet you do have Young, Latham, Mitchell. So there is there is quality batsmen coming through the ranks there. Um, Interesting, Hamish Rutherford getting a, a recall. Um, mm. I found that one quite odd. I think it was sort of, I, I thought he may have, uh, you know, done his time, but perhaps, you know, just lack, lack of alternatives, really. Um, so, you know, some depth, but perhaps not enough depth um, sitting there. Um, but, yeah, the, the, I guess the, we can just only hope that, that uh, Kane does come right. And, of course, he's got his IPL contract uh, to fulfil as well. Maybe that, that might miraculously help some sort of recovery. <laughs> Small matter of a couple of million oh. dollars or whatever it is. But, yeah. Oh, that, <laughs> yes, there is the, that. There's the cynic coming through and Nicky Storis, everybody. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not being cynical. I'm not being cynical. I mean, it's, you know, it's, a, it's, it's your livelihood, you know, and that's a lot of money. So you're definitely going to want to go and play, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose you are. I suppose there's uh, every reason to go and earn a couple of million bucks. Gorge, isn't there? Sure is. Geez, leopard never changes its spots, does it, eh? So bloody cynical. <laughs> no, no surprise there from Sorry, but uh, all good, all good. Yeah, a lot, I've got to say, Smithy, and I know you've probably got to get to the news shortly, but um, I'm deeply concerned about this. I'm deeply concerned. I didn't actually fully realise that Kane's been dealing with this issue for, like, we're talking sort of almost a year and a half now. Um Staggering mm. the time to be dealing with an issue, an issue such as this, and I know it is uh, a niggly type of issue. It's not like something that just you know heals in a few months' time with a bit of rest. Um, but that that is a massive concern. The other huge concern I have, um, Smithy, is in terms of the Black Caps World Test Championship title defence. Um, we lost a game that, as, as you've quite rightly mentioned several times on your show, uh, the Black Caps mm. should never have lost that first test to Bangladesh, and now they're heading into. Uh, a series against the Proteas, uh, they're going to be missing Kane Williamson, Ross Taylor and Trent Bolt, three absolute pillars of the tank um, for the first test. That's a, a huge concern. And I know that, um, you know, Gary Stead has managed to build some depth with this side and, and we and we talk about um, some of those players. You mentioned some of them before, Nicky, but, um, you know, I, every every single team, if you keep taking out some of those pillars, um, it's, it's going to fall over eventually. So I think they're facing a massive, massive test uh, in the series coming up against the Proteus for sure. Underdogs for me, Andrew. Underdogs for me at this point anyway on paper. 
Talk, the opinions, the panel. Nikki Styrus, Andrew Gordy uh, with us this morning as the panel. This is uh, part two, Nikki Styrus. Uh, a little um, mention from, or a little mention about Reese Walsh, uh, which was a little bit concerning um, because uh, he hasn't even finished playing for us yet, has he? <laughs> oh, my God, I could see this coming right when they very first signed him, even though it was for, you know, on a four-year contract. And it's the age-old problem for the Warriors, really. Um, you know, they, they either get, um, you know, a, a star in the making who hasn't maybe made it yet but is going to be, or they get someone in their twilight years who wants to finish off their career and no other Australian team will have them. And that's the problem that the Warriors have. Reese Walsh, you know, they the Warriors gave him an opportunity, which he grabbed with both hands. But, of course, now he's Australian and he's a star and the Australian teams want him and he wants to go home. So, I, I mean, I just thought this is a matter of time. And I guess, how do you deal with it, you know, as a club? And particularly, I think it was... Um, was it O'Sullivan that, that recruited him in the first place? And, of course, now he's gone, um, and he's gone to this Dolphins team. So, you know, he's probably saying, you know, Reese, come to us. Um, I think it's a matter of time. I think he'll see out this season, and I think that he will try and jump ship next year when the, when the Warriors potentially come back and play, you know, back at, um, in New Zealand. And I think it's, it's really disappointing, but it's the nature of the beast with the Warriors and what they have to deal with, you know, season after season. And why? I honestly can't see them actually ever winning a championship anytime soon because as soon as they try to build a decent squad, recruit and build on that, they lose these top players and, they, and they're back to square one again. Uh, hugely disappointing because I don't think they should be allowed to break these contracts, but NRL contracts seem to be, I don't know, like something you get out of a Weetbix packet. You can seem to be able to break them as much as you like. So I don't know. I don't know. Just a sh- it's a shame. Uh, Andrew Gordy, of course, uh, Winter Olympics, big story, of course, has been Zoe. Uh, early on, from our point of view, uh, a couple of days where uh, our, struggle, our com, uh, competitors have been really struggling to make uh, playoffs and final situations. But this interesting story developed this morning, or last night actually, when I was watching uh, this uh, beautiful young lady uh, who uh, they're now labelling as the Snow Princess. Um, and uh, she is, of course, uh, uh, an American who uh, actually uh, also now uh, competes for China, and uh, America hate that. Uh, and I'm referring to Eileen Fengu or Gu Eileen. Uh, she wins, and straight behind her uh, is this tennis star who's been missing, presumed almost gone, uh, having to defend herself supposedly against uh, sexual uh, assaults, and uh, everyone's been very worried about her in tennis circles, but now she's sitting next to the Olympic president, Thomas Bach, smiling as happy as you like, sharing the, sharing the limelight. How the heck do they pull that off? Makes you ill, doesn't it? To be perfectly honest, I think it makes me, it makes me ill. Um, you can, you know, it's easy for uh, well, any Western journalist, any Western media can see what's what's going on here, um, and it and it really makes me, yeah, sick to the stomach to read interviews where she's saying, no, I didn't claim sexual assault, and it's all been misunderstood and. You've got it all wrong. You know, what, how, do you, how, do you, how do you expect anyone to believe that? And it's no coincidence now that China and Beijing is on the world stage hosting one of the biggest events in world sport, that she is essentially being paraded around by the Chinese government. 
um, it's, yeah, like I said, I don't know. There's no other word that I can use to describe it. It really does make you sick. And it also makes me sick that the IOC are kind of allowing it. They're enabling the Chinese government to sort of get away with this behaviour by using their event to send a message to the world. Um, yeah, it's, it doesn't leave a good feeling on the inside, to be honest with me. No, we're talking about Peng Shui, of course, uh, uh, Nikki, which was a horrible, horrible story at the time, but uh, all of a sudden, uh, continually these shots beaming in here, uh, and the media must have been uh, au fait with the whole deal. I mean, they're showing these shots all the time, and, and she's sitting alongside the most important man in sports, supposedly, the president of the Olympic Committee. Everything's cool. <laughs> well, you alluded to my uh, cynicism earlier, and I don't want to be um, too controversial <laughs> on the radio, but one, uh, one would wonder what's gone on behind the scenes there. I think, like Andrew, I feel, I feel actually quite sick about it too, because you've got to sit there and go, you know, her hand, I believe, has been forced in saying these things. Um, we don't even know how, um, you know, close her safety, you know, how safe has she been? What you know? What ultimatums were? Was it the gun to the head? I mean, that's that's how I feel about it, you know. And now they're yeah, they're putting on this big display for the world, and it's actually really disappointing that the IOC are allowing, like Andrew said, this to happen. But I guess what do you do? What you know? If she is saying she's okay and it was all a big misunderstanding, then it's a pretty tricky one. And and, and like we've seen around the world with humanitarian crises and you know uh, freedom of speech and all that. Countries will behave in the way that they wish, and really, there's very little the rest of the world can or will do about it. And so, I guess it's the same for sporting heroes. And 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 it, yeah, it's really sad, and it's really sick, and it makes my blood boil. Oh, I think it, it it's incredible how they've managed to pull it off. It just absolutely staggers me, and it's almost flown under the radar. Almost, I say at this point. We'll wait and see. Um, here's, here's another one uh, tonight, Gord's uh, another important fixture for the Phoenix behind closed doors against Melbourne Victory. Yeah, I, and, and I, I sort of um, I tweeted about this yesterday when that news came through. What's the A-League doing about this? I mean, they, they've got questions to answer here, haven't, haven't they? Um, you know, the, the A-League have, have obviously had the Phoenix relocate to Australia this season. They're playing their entire season... Uh, in Australia, at a, at a home away from home, then they go and schedule their games on a on a Wednesday night uh, against Melbourne Victory, obviously. And it's up to the Phoenix to try and find commercial partners away from home, away from their fan base, away from local sponsors who have a vested interest in that fan base and and the local market. But they're just on a, an absolute hiding to nothing. Uh, and it just staggers me that the A-League are supposedly doing nothing to support them in, the, in this instance. Um, how, are the, how are the Phoenix supposed to do, you know, how are they supposed to run um, any kind of commercial operation um, with the situation that they're in? Um, it's just, it's disappointing. And, and, and my feeling is it reflects poorly on the league rather than the club. To have no fans there whatsoever and have a dead environment, essentially... Uh, that doesn't look great on TV, and it's a terrible advertisement for the, for the competition. So I think the A-League needs to, to think harder and do more, do better, uh, to support the Phoenix at a time like this. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, well, they had 500-something supporters at the last game, uh, and virtually no one 
tonight. So, yeah, they're not getting any, any help off the park. Uh, uh, there's no secret about that. Um, have the Styrus household discussed the Justin Langer affair? Uh, and if they have, uh, what, is, what is the feeling within the Styrus household about Justin Langer and, and his, in inverted commas, resignation? I think you might be a little bit confused there, Smitty, to think that the Styrus household ever discuss anything cricket-related. Um, generally, <laughs> we... Uh, <laughs> if I say something to Scott about some sort of, I don't know, selection or coaching issue, he'll just look at me and he'll go, Nikki, you know nothing about that. Or, Nikki, I don't care. Or, Nikki, I don't want to talk about it. Um, and that's usually the response I get from Scott. So the answer to you regarding Justin Langer is we haven't discussed it. But obviously he, you know, and from, from what I've seen, um, you know, he was a very intense coach and he, he, he was unworkable with the, with the team and the players. And, you know, when you get some sort of mutiny happening from your senior, senior players, you know, something has to give and, and, and ultimately it did. Um, so who replaces him will be interesting to me, but I see old Silver will, would sell on his sword too. So interesting times in cricket coaching anyway. Maybe Scott should get a job yeah. in coaching Smithy. What do you think? Oh, look, he's such a layback sort of a guy, and, and he doesn't. You know, he just keeps himself <laughs> to himself. And, you know, he's never, I mean, he's never been prone to anything controversial uh, on and off the field. I think he's like the perfect... <laughs> The perfect candidate, Scott Storris. And the other, the other great asset he's got too, Nicky, is he's got a hell of a lot of time on his hands. That's the other thing he's got. Um, and just, 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 to, just to finish off uh, uh, Gord's uh, uh, this morning, player power, isn't it? It's out and out player power, and it's not uncommon. No, that's right. I'm a, I'm a wee bit reluctant to use the term player power, Smitty, because I, I, I prefer to sort of look at this and... Um, this example in isolation, right? There's a couple of things why I think people are feeling sympathy for Justin Langer. One is that he was basically charged with cleaning up the mess after South Africa and after the Sandpaper Gate. Um, so he, 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 he deserves a lot of... He, he got a lot of money in the bank in that regard in terms of um, rebuilding the, the culture, so to speak, but also the reputation of Australian cricket. And, and then it's the on-field performance aspect as well. He's guided them to a T20 World Cup and they've absolutely dominated the Ashes. So the timing in that sense is, is awful in that regard. Um, but we all know, and it's well documented, that, that he is a difficult character. And it, it perhaps is... I, I don't think it's any surprise that it's got to this point. It's the timing, I think, that is so unpalatable. And I think it's been really rich um, for, for some particular members um, of the Australian sports media, and I'm talking about former Australian cricketers, who, if I remember rightly, didn't speak all that well of John Buchanan when he uh, was in charge of a completely dominant Australian team. And, and they were quite happy to, to turn on him and, and say that he wasn't the right person for the job. And why did they do that? Because they were so confident in their own abilities that they were so professional and so good at their jobs that they didn't need someone like John Buchanan. And I'd argue maybe now, I'm not saying necessarily that this Australian team is, is um, you know, deserves to be compared to the great Australian team or teams of, of the late 90s and, and 2000s, but this is a pretty good Australian team. They are very, very professional. And this is a, we're in a, an era now where professional crickets should really be able to handle themselves in their own game. Um, so... Is, is cricket maybe a sport that lends itself to 
like you say, player power. Players should be in charge of their own game and, and I suppose, and to a degree, in charge of their own destiny. And they should be more responsible, I think, for the, response, uh, for the performances that they put on the park. Andrew Gordy and Nicky Styrus have been uh, the panellists this morning and, uh, as always, uh, it's been great uh, catching up with them and listening to their uh, relative opinions. It's